So if you want to follow along, uh, this morning's reading is taken from John chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one who Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks, <coughs> Thanks Emma. Let's pray for Simon as he, as he prepares to speak to us now. Father God, as we hear your word read to us, we seek to encounter you afresh. And that's our heart through this series, Lord, to discover through the characters of the Gospel how you touched their lives and transformed them by your grace. And so we pray, Lord, that you would speak into our lives through the words Simon shares with us this morning that you would reveal yourself to us afresh and empower us to be your people in this world. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you, Simon. This is about a call. And God calling his people is what we see in the gospel. But we see it throughout scripture and God still calls today. And I want to read some verses from Hebrews 11. Uh, I'm probably not worth following it in the Bible because I'm going to abbreviate it. It's a long chapter, uh, but it's on page 1143 if you did want to, to, to see it. But I'm just going to read Hebrews 11 because this is talking about the call of God on 
loads of people, but I'm going to focus on Abraham. Uh, God called Abraham, God called uh, Andrew and Peter uh, and Nathaniel, and he calls us today as well. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. He was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And then there's a list of other faithful people. By faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, by faith Moses. By faith the walls of Jericho fell. By faith the prostitute Rahab welcomed the spies. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flame, the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, they were sawed in two, they were killed by the sword. These were all commended for their faith. I'm going to invite you to come with me, to follow me on a journey of faith this morning, to explore what faith is. Uh, I... uh, in my mind, I've called this sermon, faith is a four-letter word, and I want to, you to follow me. I mean, God says, follow me. Uh, Jesus said, follow me, and he still does say, follow me. So I want to, you to follow me on a journey of faith this morning. And we're going to start in the valley, because I'm going to suggest that one four-letter word that you might use to describe faith in our nation today is down. Um, there we go. I'll, I'll leave you to do the screens at the back. Thank you. Uh, The reality is that over one generation, the people attending church has dropped by a half. Uh, In 1979, about 12 people in every 100 would go to church. Uh, Today, uh, around 6% of the population are in church on any given Sunday. In the last five years, church membership across denominations has declined by 5%. Um, And uh, in Baptist churches, uh, who I represent, it's gone down 9% over those five years. I don't know if you remember the decade of evangelism between 1990 and 2000 when there was a real call to go out and share the gospel that we've been given. Now during that time more than a million people left church. (laughs) We were were sharing the gospel and at the end of that decade there were 2,000 people a week leaving church over that decade. Now some of those left and entered glory and people were coming into church but more left through the back door than came in through the front door. The situation of the church, however comfortable we may feel here on a Sunday morning, is one where the word down could be used. In Hosea 9 verse 7 it says, The days of reckoning are at hand. Let Israel know this. Because your sins are so many and your hostility so great, the prophet is considered a fool, the inspired person a maniac. In Hosea's culture, uh, 
people who spoke for God were considered fools. They were ridiculed. Uh, in the time of Jesus, there'd been a time when God hadn't spoken. And those that were standing up, like John and Jesus, uh, they were mocked. We, we know that Jesus was crucified for speaking for God. And we are ridiculed today. I don't know if you recognize uh, the person on the next slide. Um, standing in front of a bus saying there's probably no God. Uh, Now stop worrying and enjoy your life. That's uh, Richard Dawkins. And the word that he would use to describe faith is meme. I don't know if you've heard that word before, but it means uh, uh, a thought virus, (laughs) a dangerous thought virus that Christians spread from one to another. This faith that we share is a dangerous thing. Others wouldn't say it's dangerous. They'd just make fun of us. They'd say it's Faith is something to, you know, ignore, something that's irrelevant in our uh, rational age. Nathaniel, when he first heard about Jesus, was cynical too. What good can come out of Nazareth? People respond to faith sometimes, and we see on television and the way that Christians are caricatured sometimes in the soaps, that meme or just other ways of ridiculing or minimizing faith, uh, that's out there in our society. So me might be a, used, a four-letter word that could be used to describe faith. How about this four-letter word? Uh, safe. <laughs> I don't know if you feel safe in here this morning. A place where you can come and be comfortable, escape the pressures of the world, escape the challenges that are facing us uh, in the world, and come and be safe in this place. Now, it is good to gather together. It is good to praise the one who is truly faithful. But I don't expect and don't want church to be a safe place. I don't think faith implies safety. Uh, And I think to a degree, if we think this is a safe, comfortable place to be, then we've misunderstood what faith is. And we need to rediscover what faith is to uh, take the church forward. Even when things are going well in our particular church, uh, sometimes it's easy to sit back and be comfortable uh, and feel safe. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And then in Psalm 121, uh, 127, it says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the, laborers, uh, the builders labor in vain. God invites us to join with him in the building of the church. And when we participate with God in the building of the church, uh, what is created will stand. You know, when we are uh, doing it in our own strength, Uh, or when we neglect (laughs) to work with God, uh, the church will crumble. But when we build with God, the church will stand, the church will grow, and nothing will be able to stand against it. We are called on a great commission, a mission with God, commission. That's what the the word means, uh, with God. And we need to be people of faith. And I want, like the people that we see in the the passage, uh, those who respond to the call to follow Jesus, I want to us to be people that follow, to be people who go on a journey of faith. And so I want to tell you about the four-letter word that I think is synonymous for faith. Um, You've probably heard this um, word before related to it, but um, I think faith is a four-letter word spelt R-I-S-K, risk. It isn't a safe thing to be people of faith. It's a dangerous thing, a dangerous thing. This Hebrews 11, there's a hall of fame or a hall of faith, people who are commended for faithfulness. And sometimes when I go to uh, some of the churches in the EBA, 
two-thirds of which are declining. There's a third that are about staying the same in, size of, in, in terms of uh, numbers of people attending or growing. Uh, but often those that are declining say to me, at least we're being faithful, by which they mean they're keeping the doors open uh, and the pulpit full Sunday by Sunday. I, I question whether that is being faithful. It's persevering, true, and I think that's worth to be commended. The church where I was in local ministry, uh, Low Chapel, uh, 30 years ago, there were four ladies praying for the future of that church, persevering uh, uh, in prayer for that church. Uh, and it's a village church, but over the last eight years, uh, it, it was uh, 20 members uh, t- 10 years ago, and it's just under 40 members now. It's grown. We had three baptisms last year. Because they kept the doors open, because they were praying and persevering. So I'm not knocking perseverance and commitment, but I think faith means stepping out for God. You look uh, at the risks that the people in, uh, in, uh, in Jesus' time took. Those, Andrew, Nathaniel, uh, Peter. Who is this guy calling them to follow me? And yet they go, leaving their livelihoods, leaving everything behind. I have spent about 20 years in or around Cambridge, um, and I'm gonna, the, the first thing I want to, uh, my four-point sermon, and I'll go through them quickly, um, or a four-point reflection, sorry, <laughs> um, is, uh, begins with, you can help to remember there's uh, something with each letter of the word risk. The first is reality checkpoint. I don't know if anyone's seen this lamppost in the middle of Parker's Peace in Cambridge. I think um, during uh, the 60s, a hippie painted the words reality checkpoint on the um, lamppost. And every time the council painted over it, someone else would write it back. And in faith, we're encouraged to have a reality check. I've done that for you in terms of the state of the church today. But there's two realities. As Christians, as people of faith, we have two realities. The reality that we see and the reality that God sees Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. God knows who we are. He knew Nathaniel. Uh, Jesus knew Nathaniel. Uh, he, he knew Abraham. Abraham. Uh, and God said, I'm going to make you a father of many. An old man uh, with a wife who um, the Bible says was past it. Um, and God says, I'm going to make you parents of a nation so, multi, uh, so, so, what's the word? so big that you know, it's going to be like the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore. Uh, God calls him something that he isn't yet. <laughs> There's a different reality. Just as Peter is called and uh, Jesus calls him Cephas, calls him the rock, he sees what he's going to become. With God, the reality that God sees, the perspective that God sees, uh, he tells Nathaniel that he's going to see... Um, uh, the greater things. Later on in the third passage, I think he talks about going, uh, he sees angels going up uh, and down. Uh, he's, there's a new reality you're going to see, Nathaniel. Faith is about going from the reality that we see to the reality that God sees. And it's about, you know, if, if, the, if the journey that we're on is about going to a place that we're comfortable with, a place that we can reach in our own strength, that's not faith. <laughs> Faith is about seeing the reality or catching a glimpse of the reality that God sees and going from where we are to that point. A reality check where we realize where we are and we realize where God can take us. And there's a step to start moving in the direction. 
of that. And it's imagining the inheritance. Abraham was helped to imagine the inheritance. There's a picture God gave him of stars in the sky and sand on the seashore. And Jesus says to those he called, uh, I'm going to make you a rock, Peter. On you, I'm going to build a church. This, this guy who was a fisherman. He says, I'm going to build a church. He's helped him to imagine something that wasn't yet real. Abraham was called to go to a land he didn't know. Uh, but he was told to imagine the inheritance uh, that he would have when he got there. We are called to imagine. When I go to churches and I try and seek to encourage churches to think about mission, I encourage them to spend time in silence. And and it, it works for us as churches, it works for us as individuals too. God is a call on each of us, individually and collectively. And often when you speak to churches, when I speak to churches, there's a seed of hope, a seed of faith within them. And I ask them just to spend some time in silence and to share, to speak out loud what the hope for their church is, what the hope for their faith life is. And generally, as you do that, there's something there <laughs> Something there, and they are sometimes afraid to speak it out because then you have to pursue it. You have to go uh, and start walking in the direction that God is showing you. But we just need to be people who have holy imaginations, who are listening for God, listening for the hope and the faith that He plants in our hearts, seeing the inheritance that He wants to give to us as a church. What is your hope for Camborne Church? Ten years' time. What are you hoping for in the life of this fellowship? Ask God to fill you with hope, collectively and individually. What's your hope as a part of this church in the way that you individually follow God? Faith requires us to imagine the inheritance that God wants to give to us. When we do that, uh, we have to do something as well. Saying yes to God we can imagine, we can hope. Uh, if Abraham hadn't left uh, the place where he lived, to start on a, if he hadn't packed his bags to go on this journey to a place he didn't know, uh, if Moses hadn't put his foot in the Red Sea, if Joshua hadn't walked around the walls of Jericho, if Noah hadn't chopped down his first tree to start building the ark, where would these people who were commended for their faith be? Faith, James tells us in the letter, faith without works is dead. It's no faith at all if you don't act on your faith. It's not just uh, an intellectual assent to something that we believe. It's partly that, but it's more than that. It's more than a, a heartfelt trust. It's about stepping out in trust, stepping out on this journey, uh, saying yes to God. Nathaniel and Andrew and uh, Simon, who became Peter, they said yes to God. They began the journey. They started to follow. And that's what we are called to do. I've put a picture there. Sorry, go back. <laughs> I've put a picture there of Polseith Methodist Church. And uh, this is another example of people that take risks and follow God, that say yes to God. I don't know if you know the story of Polseith. I'm not quite sure how you say it. Someone from Cornwall can tell me afterwards. Um, but Paul's F Methodist Church, they were down to three or four, I don't know why it's always the ladies that <laughs> persevere, but there were three or four older ladies at this church. It's right on the beach, right on a big bit of prime real estate. You know, the, the 
district could have sold it for lots of money. Um, and they, they said, no, God's got, a, God's got a purpose for this place. We're not quite sure that we can fulfill that purpose, but God's got a purpose for this place. The beach was full of people who were surfing when the waves were up and uh, skateboarding when the waves weren't up. And they said, these people need to hear this message that we've got. And we don't think we're the ones to share it. So they said, if there's someone who can come and help us to share the gospel with these young people on the beach, uh, then this place is yours. And uh, two, two or three young men came uh, uh, who were part of this Fresh Expressions movement. Uh, they made their home in that church and started to talk to the people on the beach. And that, I don't know if you can see the, the ramp there, uh, they call it a half pipe. I don't, I don't know much about skateboarding. But that is in the front of the church where the altar used to be. They've got a skate ramp in the front of the church now. And last Easter, there were 200 people in Polesdale Methodist Church, which actually is called the tube station now. Um, a tube is a wave, a perfect wave, a surfing wave. Um, so uh, people who say yes to God, those four ladies heard God prompting them. And it meant you know, I'm sure they weren't comfortable, necessarily, with turning their church into a skate ramp. Um, but they said yes to God. And uh, what happens when we say yes to God is decay. The kingdom coming. God working amongst us. And uh, we see his kingdom come. We see his kingdom come. I, uh, I want to encourage you to be a church that imagines the future that listens for the word of hope that God places upon your heart. I, I believe uh, the last generation has been one where we've fallen asleep, as we've, we've got a responsibility to share the gospel, and to a degree the church has fallen asleep on that responsibility. I believe, and I, I can see people in our colleges being trained up, people who are being called to share the gospel in new and creative ways. Uh, people like those that have gone to Polzef Methodist Church. People who are, the guy called Dan, who I ordained last year, who's leading 57 West, taking the gospel to the homeless community. Who are the people in this community that need to hear the gospel? However many are in here on a, Saturday, on a Sunday morning, uh, there's 90, 95% of people in Camborne that aren't in here. How are we going to take the message that God's given us to them? Are we hearing God calling us? to take our, the message that we've been given, the, the faith that we are uh, stewards of. Who are we going to take it to? Who are you and I going to take it to? When you're uh, at work, when you're at the school gates, uh, when you're at the various clubs that you go to, you are someone that's being called to be a person of faith. Look at the reality of where you are now, but embrace the reality of what God is calling you to. Imagine that. Dwell on it. Where it, it, I'm not a great one for the King James Version, but there's two verses in Proverbs which uh, we remember well in the King James Version. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Vision simply means, if you, I, and I don't know if you're having a vision for Camborne Church, but vision basically means seeing what God sees for your church. Getting a glimpse of that. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you dwell upon, if you think about the problems, if you think about uh, the, the worries about the things that are affecting church, uh, the, the lack of money in the, in the reserves or whatever, uh, then, then that's, what, that's what's going to consume you. 
Think about what God is doing and will be doing amongst you. I want to close with uh, a call, really. This is a poem that could be a, a prayer. Uh, and it's about, it's about people who have gone before us, those like the disciples uh, that responded to the call of Jesus, like those in the Old Testament, people like Abraham who responded to the call of God. We are here today. Each of us has got a story because someone came in the name of God and brought the message of faith to us. And we're called to be stewards of that, to take the baton and to run with that and to take uh, that on. I mentioned about the statistics at the beginning. Fresh expressions have grown by 273% over that period. (laughs) People who are in new forms of church. The Anglican Church uh, printed a report last year that said fresh expressions have brought the equivalent of four new dioceses, the number of people of four new dioceses into the life of the church. I want to encourage you to embrace new and creative ways of being and doing church. Let me read this and hear this as a prayer, as a call. God crossed a border, a boundary, left his world to go on a journey into ours. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, dwelt among us. We stand in a long line of ancestors, of pioneers, of risk takers, of improvisers, of those who dare to take the adventure of following Christ, to leave their known world, step off its edge, free-falling with God, crossing borders into unknown futures and new worlds, to share the story of Christ, to plant the seed of the gospel. And as Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. The story has been passed to us because of those who dared, who risked, who dreamed, who followed, who improvised, and now we stand looking into the future. Will you dare? Will you dream? Will you risk? Will you follow? Will you leave your known world? Will you free fall with God? Will you join Christ in the adventure? Will you be baptized into God's mission? Will you rise to surf with God into the future? Will you trust the Spirit? Far we have come, far we must go. Here we are, Lord. Send us. Amen.